Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and joining me today are... Spencer Hardaway. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. What we got in store for you today on the podcast? We got a few things coming up for you. Uh, we got a couple of bits of film news. We got some emails we're going to read before moving on into some what we've been watching. And then concluding with an in-depth review. This week, we are reviewing the Apple TV Plus original series, Ted Lasso which is a 10-episode, 30 minutes each series that uh, I watched this week. because Just, uh, uh, Devin- just think of it like a five-hour movie. Come on. Devendra and Jeff uh, wanted yeah. you to watch it. And you know what? They have been so cool about watching all the extremely depressing things that I've wanted to watch this summer <laughs> that I'm like, I got I to gotta give you guys a win on this one. <laughs> yeah. So we will talk about whether or not I actually enjoyed that process or not. During our review of Ted Lasso later on, you can David, always find more. It sounds like you have a little bit of pep in your step tonight. I feel I'm mm. feeling a little pep in your step. A bit of lasso, a... a bit of lasso. Yeah. In his you, get, you got a little extra, extra something, something going on. Is there like you're uh, feeling good? I mean, po- more it's, positive. The world seems a little sweeter. It's not the same uh, high I had after I saw you know the devil all the time. Yeah, I'll say it's not the same after marathoning every Saw movie, but yeah, it's not the same as I what I feel when I do my Saw marathon everywhere. But yeah. it's yeah. like uh, not my usual something. putting my head in the microwave oven before we record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, I, I'm I'm happy for a few reasons, but here's one of them: is because we got an email from Soren Pertz, who wrote into slashfilmcast at gmail dot com with subject line: "You've just married your first couple of listeners." Soren oh, writes oh, in. Oh no, I'm already married. Now I'm <laughs> now I'm I've married listeners too. It's another country, oh, different different laws. Yeah. Okay. Soren writes into. Soren writes into slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This is Soren and Michelle writing from Munich, Germany. It is our great pleasure to write to you, announcing that last week we became Mister and Mrs. Pertz. That's right, we got married. Remember when you had your big 500th episode? One of the voicemails was Michelle telling you about how she met her then-boyfriend through the Slack Filmcast community. Well, here we are now, a married couple. We believe that we are the first couple of listeners that met and got married because of the podcast, and we thought that you deserve to know about this sort of landmark for the show. Michelle moved from Brazil to Germany uh, a bit later than planned due to 2020, and after some months of organizing the ceremony, we tied the knot on October 8th. With this donation email, they donated, by the way, we wanted to share the good news with you and hopefully brighten your day and the listeners a bit. For us, managing to get married amidst a global pandemic is a sign that ultimately love can prevail. Thank you for all the hours of entertainment that you've provided to our lives and to make our relationship stronger as we listen to the podcast, because as we learned it, laughing at Jeff's limericks can be a great bonding experience. Lastly, Thank you for making this very international love story possible. If it wasn't for this podcast, there would be no Slack community, nor a happily married couple who now writes to you. Thank you very much. And to the next Mr. and Mrs. Slash Filmcast, Soren and Michelle. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. That's great. That's incredible. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm normally, so excited. Yeah, normally you have to give gifts to the, uh, to the people, to the newlyweds. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy. They, they gave us their entire honeymoon fund, right? That's what they donated. <laughs> yeah, I mean they can't use it. It's yeah, pandemic, yeah, yeah. right? There's yeah, no yeah. Neat. It's all for us now. I, 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 I will say, the, uh, the I will say, it's rule... a, they gave us enough money to uh, buy a drink at a bar once this is all over and talk about their honeymoon. So that's okay. very generous. That's very yes. generous. Thank uh, you, thank you. 
I, I, my understanding, I mean, this is a very uh, uncommon occurrence, but there is uh, a rules in place for when this happens. Mm. Uh, and that is um, three children, uh, doesn't matter the sex, they are going to be named Def, uh, Dave, Devendra, and Jeff. That's the, yeah. that's the rule. That's the rule, that's, yeah. Mm. I, if there's I, a fourth, I feel, it's Bleff, and we don't talk about them. I feel like for <laughs> yeah. sure we actually announced this rule like a long time ago. Like, yeah. I, yeah. That, that sounds familiar, oh, right? Like we talked They have about to be it. aware of it. They, they, they have, have to be aware. To be aware. Yeah. yeah, okay. It's a binding contract. Just make sure you start with Dave and work your way down um, <laughs> yeah, the alphabet. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Soren and Michelle. That's awesome. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm yeah. glad there's like a happy, an even happier ending to that story. You know, we were all kind of yeah. left uh, on the hook there. Yeah, it's great. Well, they, they yeah, made, yeah, they're big because it would have been sad. It would have been sad if cast. they, yeah, it would have been sad if they broken up. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the slash film cast is a constant source of pain for their lives <laughs> as it is for ours. You know, I think you yeah. just made your first screenplay, Dave. Like that is. That is like rom-com that needs to be made. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what were you going to say? Well, I think we know now scientifically exactly how long it takes from courtship through marriage. And that it is, seeing as how it is episode 588 tonight. Yeah. Uh, it takes exactly 88 episodes, evidently, if they, you know. Around, around there. They, they had already been together for a while at episode oh. 500. So, you know, it's not, it's not a great... Uh, usage of measuring time slash filmcast episode <laughs> numbering, but you know. Okay. Uh, anyway, thanks to Soren and congratulations. For writing. Yeah, and congratulations. What a heartwarming story. Uh, love is possible even in these very uncertain times. A couple weeks ago, Jeff Kanata made a claim on the podcast that, like, the second that the words were out of his mouth, I'm like, this this has got to be wrong somehow, and. Part of me dies inside, never to recover, and then part of me prepares for all the emails that are coming, uh, going to come in, and that did in fact happen. A couple weeks ago, Jeff, you you know what the claim you made was? You remember this? Um, that we wouldn't be reviewing Ted Lasso, and you had to quit the show. <laughs> no, you said there was a uh, no one had ever attempted a uh, one take, oh yes. live movie like yeah. a, in one cut oh, of the right. dead, yeah. Well, you were wrong. Um, yeah. I've been and, and wanting many to people, watch this, by the way. Yeah. Many people wrote in about this, including Tom M. from Brighton in the United Kingdom. Tom writes in, Hi, guys. I know you're trying to think of TV shows that were one take and live, but a movie does spring to mind. Woody Harrelson filmed Lost in London live and broadcast it to cinemas back in 2017. It's yeah. been three years since I saw the movie, but I seem to remember it's all or at least mostly in one take. I didn't make it uh, along to the original live viewing as it was filmed in the early hours of the morning, but did see it a few days later at a Q&A uh, that Q- uh, Woody attended. Despite being extremely sleep deprived, he stuck around for ages to shake hands and take photos with everyone present. It's just a shame about his 5G conspiracies tainting the memory. Pause here for a second. I, I didn't know that Woody Harrelson was into the 5G conspiracies. Oh, man. We're losing so many good people to this. Yeah, that yeah. is a bummer. Let me let me Google that to make sure that's actually the case. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> you don't want to besmirch Woody's. I don't want to besmirch. Um, okay, yeah, and in in April, uh, Woody Harrelson. Whoops, Woody Harrelson among stars sharing coronavirus conspiracy theories tied to five G, according to the New York Post. So, anyway, that's a bummer. Okay, uh, so Tom M's emails continue. Uh, continues. Uh, been listening s- since the Quigley days, and the shows remained a firm favorite of mine. Thanks for all the great work. 
Do you think you'll ever set up a Patreon? I subscribe to Film Spotting and Blank Checks Patreons, and it's been great. I definitely subscribe to you guys too if you set one up. Uh, hope you're mm. all keeping safe we do that. and well. <laughs> well, a c- we couple things. Do that, first, Dave. first of all, first of all, <laughs> Lost in London. I've actually a lot of people wrote in about that, and I've actually heard that it's a great film. Yeah. So. A ton of people, and it's available both on Hulu and Amazon Prime. And I was actually meaning to watch it this week. I never got around yeah, to it, but yeah. I really want to check it out. I'm, I'm, I, I love the audacity of trying something like that. And people, most of the people that uh, flagged it said that it was really good. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in checking it out. All right. Well, and then there's this other suggestion you said about this Patreon, right? You know, Jeff, uh, maybe we should just do what this guy says. Yeah, like we do. Why would you long... bang out some keystrokes now, Dave? Yeah, like, hold on, hold on. Here, I'm just. We do have yeah. a long I'm, I'm history just, of here, taking let me, one person's some... suggestion. <laughs> yeah, let me. Hold on, I'm typing. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, because what we've been doing is basically when one person suggests something, will completely alter the course of the podcast, right? Yeah, yes. we, we, we sound doing, like we're being massive dicks right now. By the way, it's completely true, <laughs> but it's actually no. True. But it's it's actually a hundred percent true. You're <laughs> saying you're saying we'd be dicks. Government. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're saying we'd be dicks if we were being sarcastic, right? But right, we're, exactly. we're actually we're actually being extremely truthful. Sadly, it's um, hard to tell with us, but we are being truthful. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if if you are interested in checking out the Patreon, uh, just just go to patreon.com slash Film podcast. That's Did Patreon. you just do that in thirty seconds, Dave? It Man. was so fast. It was so wow. fast. Patreon.com slash the word film podcast. Uh, you know, maybe next week we'll talk a little bit more about this because since we put it together, it's just very abrupt. Now, it was very. In the, very I mean, in the last thirty massive. seconds. In the last thirty seconds, you know, like, but but next week maybe we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. it. So stay tuned for that. But you know, if you want to check out what the Patreon might be, you can go to Patreon.com slash the word film podcast. Yes, and uh, not slash film cast because that yes. is something else. That's taken. Some not other dude us. has that. Some other dude yeah. has that. But we are patreon.com slash the word film podcast. Okay. Um, what else has happened this week that I want to mention before we get to what we've been watching? Uh, so we've been talking about the uh, theatrical film industry's collapse over the course of the last few weeks. Just that go, little thing. Yeah. Go to yeah. our Patreon. Go to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> that, old ju- that old chestnut. And uh, I had predicted uh, that, like, basically all movies would pull out. We talked last week, I think, about Dune, right, moving out of yeah. theaters. No Time to Die had moved out of theaters. Batman had pushed an additional year. Um, that left, basically, the only movies this year were Soul, the new Pixar movie that was going to come out around Thanksgiving, and Wonder Woman. And this week, the penultimate domino fell, which is that Soul, uh, the new Pixar movie, has is going to launch on Disney Plus this holiday season, uh, which is notable for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's one of the few remaining kind of temples uh, or you know four quadrant movies that we're going to launch this year. That's mm-hmm. bye bye. Second thing is, it is not doing a Mulan strategy of charging people thirty bucks premium. It's just going straight to Disney Plus. So yeah. Mulan's gambit was such a like a resounding failure that they're like we're not even going to try to milk money out of people again like we're just going to go straight to the Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, so in the future henceforth me. it will be known as the Mulan Gambit. You know. We that's <laughs> how we will remember it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. the idea that this this Patreon is a Mulan Gambit by the way. I just mm. want to put that out there. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, go ahead Jeff, sorry. I, I it as a consumer 
I am pleased by this this turn of events for Soul because I'm excited to see that movie. I love Pixar. I'm excited to see that movie, and I'll get to see it this year sitting at home without risking my life. But it's so bizarre to me that there's some calculus that can say this theatrical movie can be basically turned into a straight-to-video, straight-to-DVD, you know, straight-to-home streaming experience, and mm-hmm. they will there will be some upside for Disney. Like, I, I guess there's some bean counters telling us that uh, there will be an uptick in Disney Plus subscribers because of this. Oh, yeah, uh, most definitely. And also, yeah, they're just so. working with the, the world they have right now, right? So I'm sure the math looks well, I mean, different they if everything was functioning. Yeah. Well, they could have done what everybody else is doing, which is kicking the can down the road, you know, and said, Soul will come out mm-hmm. in 2021 at some point. We don't know. Um, but they didn't, you know, they, ha- they have this other avenue that is all yeah. theirs. Um, and that's different than a lot of these other places. Although who knows, <laughs> we may be seeing that start to crop up more and more where, you know, we get the, the studio centric, uh, streaming services. Um, but you know, it's, it's fascinating to me that that's happening. I think it's a, a positive for me as a person <laughs> that wants to see this movie at some point. And I yeah. kind of wish a lot of these other, you know, Disney could do that with black widow. They could if they wanted to. Um, so I don't know what's different about Soul than Black Widow. I guess Black Widow had a bigger potential upside in movie theaters. Perhaps you probably don't want like movie. scores of families going to see your movie over the holidays and <laughs> dying. Well, right I think <laughs> families would probably go see Black it's Widow. You know? Yeah, yeah, not the yeah, same. Uh, you know, not quite. There are some interesting uh, like promotional possibilities they have by putting this on the service. Like they could sell, you know, discounted. Um, uh, bundles. They could sell mm-hmm. discounted, like yearly subscriptions, things of that nature. You know, there's like yeah, there's a yeah. few options that this gives them from a marketing perspective to have um, soul on the platform. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I I think I'm interpreting it as kind of the Mulan strategy didn't exactly do what they wanted it to do, and so now they think there's more value that's going to accrue to them by putting it on the service than not doing so. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and also they're they're dealing with like failing parks, you know, and things like people not really going to the parks either. So they need the gambits. That's why they're trying all the gambits at this point. Uh Josh Spiegel, I tweeted about this story and Josh Spiegel, um, who is an occasional slash film.com contributor and he he's a very uh knowledgeable writer about disney he responded he's like there's other wrinkles to this situation they may want to drive up gift subscriptions and soul will now arrive the friday after the mandalorian season two finale wow but still oh there you go but still if they thought charging would get them a decent return they would charge end quote so i agree with that like if if they really felt like they could rake it in with this they would still charge but they're not doing it they feel like it's it's better it's more value the other way i've been haunted by this uh this tweet thread I read earlier today by Whitney Siebold. Um, and this comes hot on the heels of the fact that Disney announced today that they're reorganizing the company around basically Disney Plus, right? Like that they essentially see Disney Plus as the future of mm-hmm. their you know, primary media production, right? Like uh, this is where they are going to invest their money, their time, their attention, their resources. Makes sense, uh, man. It works for Netflix, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Whitney Siebold tweeted, quote, I'm haunted daily by something Spielberg once said about the future of movie theaters, that Hollywood would go the way of Broadway and that only a few premium theaters would show mega blockbusters for hundreds of bucks a pop while more intimate dramas would play on the cheap. 
The Disney announcement today with the shuttering of Regal buildings and the recent end of the Paramount vertical integration laws all seem to be playing into that future. The world is now ideally set up for studios to buy a few premium theaters and use them exclusively for their own half dozen giganto blockbusters a year. No other films will play in these theaters. All their other films will be only available at home. There will, of course, always be plucky local rep houses and indie theaters hiding in the landscape, and great art will be on display in those venues, but they will be a niche destination for cinephiles and have no real impact on the conversation. If you value the theatrical experience, get used to the idea of saving up for $450 see Avatar sequels <laughs> or tiny black boxes owned by wealthy film-loving enthusiasts. Soon, it seems, there will be nothing else. Now, I don't agree that we're going to end up there. I don't agree it's going to be $450 a seat for Avatar. It's going to be bad, though. It's it's not going to be... Yeah, like, I agree. I agree a lot of this could come lives. true. Yeah. yeah, I agree a lot of this could come true, and it could be like... I could see it being like $30 or $50 a ticket. Oh, yeah. like, that seems Easy. very, very possible if multiplexes as we know them die out, which it feels very possible that that's going to happen. Well, yeah. it's interesting to me that we looked at Tenet as this uh, Hail Mary to save theater going experiences as we know them. And what it may actually have been is the first canary in the coal mine for how theatrical experiences are going to be in that it is for a very small group of people that can do it. And the rest of us wait for the (laughs) streaming at home version. Yeah. You know, you know um, uh, uh, Scott Mendelson actually wrote a pretty good piece about this at Forbes this week. He said uh, the headline is Chris Nolan's Tenet was the right movie at the wrong time. And and, and that's the headline. And his his thesis is basically like we were counting on Tenet to be this four quadrant event movie. And that really was never what that movie was supposed to be. It was no. supposed to be this kind of cerebral counter programming. And it just kind of got positioned as, oh, this movie is going to save mm-hmm. movie theaters. And it was supposed to yeah. be the anti-Bond, and who knows if it right. would even have right. like made as much money as the Bond that was supposed to come out this year. So it's like the anti-Bond, yeah. the anti—I was going to say Transformers, but there's no Transformers yeah. movies this year. But like the anti, you know, Fast and Furious. Like, hey, you want a thinker? You want a thinker? Go see Tenet. Thinking it plus action. Wow. But, <laughs> I, I, but my point is, like, do you? If you had asked me before Tenet if I would pay a premium to go <laughs> mm-hmm. see it, I would have immediately said, yeah, I probably would. I would probably pay a very high premium to go see Tenet yeah, in movie yeah. theaters. Yeah. Having lived through it and come out the other side and gone, well, waiting to December 15th isn't turning out to be so bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I may be changing my tune on that. I may mm-hmm. be the kind of thing where it's like, you know, we have these these if that future comes to pass and we have these, you know, you know, $50, $70 per ticket to go see, you know, the, the next big Marvel movie or the next big star Wars movie or whatever the premium, you know, big screen AAA experience is. I think had COVID not happened and we weren't forced to stay home, I'm not sure I would have, I would have just been like, Oh, that sucks. But that's just the way the world is now. I'm, yeah, I need yeah. to see these immediately. And now I kind of go, I don't think I believe that anymore. I really don't. Yeah. I, I mean, there will still be, you know, if Endgame had come out, I probably I probably would have paid whatever I needed to pay to see Endgame, right? Yeah. But yeah. But there are some movies, I think there's a lot of movies that I would love to see in the movie theater where I would go like if I have to pay $50 to go see it, I'm not gonna. Right. I'm just going to wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. because and, and it'll it'll be here in a month or two. So sort of like the way IMAX movies have been for a lot of people, right? Because the IMAX theatrical 
was always like, oh, oh, the, there were so many IMAX screens, but you got to be you got to be close to like a full size real IMAX, you know, and that was a thing you pay a lot more for. And I would wait to see movies on that screen specifically and pay through the nose for it. So it's going to be like that. Uh, one thing I want to throw out there, by the way, is uh, Disney's clearly preparing for a long winter. And I think yeah. everybody's been discontent. saying like, well, yeah. <laughs> Of many, many Terrible. things. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Uh, but yeah, we don't know what the, the second wave of COVID is going to look like. But people are going to be home. People are going to be antsy. They're going to be bored. They want to be entertained. Why not be the service that everybody loves with all the stuff they want to see? Uh, it, this may just be their strategy for the next year or so until we're through this. But it makes complete sense for Disney because that's what they want to be. They want to be your one-stop entertainment shop, right? Yep. Yeah. And the, the other thing it, it, tying it to Disney that just occurred to me is we have actually the perfect analogy. I mean, the perfect like one to one analogy. And that is. Hamilton. Right, because like mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. considered spending hundreds of dollars to see Hamilton. And yes, I did not get that live experience, which I value, especially as somebody who loves theater. I did not get that live experience, and there's something I did miss out on. But also, I just waited and I watched it at home, and it was pretty great, you know. So that is, if this if this version of the future comes true, where it is, you know, Steven Spielberg's sort of prediction of it being like live theater, we have that exact, the exact experience of that, where people right, right. paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars to see Hamilton. I, my wife and I had, had a serious conversation about getting on a plane and flying to New York to see Hamilton, you know, two years ago or three years ago, whatever that was, and didn't do it. And I just never got around to seeing it. And then it was streaming at my house and I got to see it for free, for basically free. Uh, so, you know, I think that's kind of the proposition at this point. And that's why a Disney Plus is such an interesting uh, talk about gambits. You know, that's. Yeah they have this this way to recoup uh that's just sitting there that they own all the bits of so indeed indeed well mm-hmm. we'll continue monitoring the fate of the industry as the weeks yeah. roll one day on. we will see tenet one day you know i think december it's, it's coming out yeah, december 15th coming out in <laughs> yeah, uh, blu-ray um so i'm looking forward to that i was yeah, we'll be doing a review i'm sure yeah that, that'll be yeah. the review of the slash <laughs> review of tenet is in december so yeah I, I do kind of want to see it at a drive-in eventually, just because I've been here so long and I know there are drive-ins around me. So I just need free time and, you know, the ability to go there. So that's all. But all right. Aren't you the one hey, that was guys, saying that it's yeah. worse? The, yep, the drive-in worse. experience is worse? Yeah. It is worse. It is bad. But <laughs> at this <laughs> point, the movie the movie doesn't sound like the thing we were all, like, hoping for it to be. So it's like yeah. I don't I don't actually care that much anymore. So we'll see. All right. Yes, time to tell you about our sponsor, Candid. You know, I got to tell you, my wife has been very, very pleased with Candid. She did this, oh gosh, about eight months ago, she started her Candid Clear aligners because she had always felt a little bit like her smile could be a little better. Her teeth could be a little straighter. And she'd put it off and put it off and put it off. And finally, thanks to Candid, she was able to straighten her teeth in a simple, easy, and more comfortable than ever way. No braces needed. No having to go crazy dentist appointments. No. Candid clear liners are comfortable, removable, and practically invisible. 
unlike wire braces. And you can transform your smile without anyone noticing. In fact, I often didn't know when my wife had them in or out. You know, she would uh, pop pop them in, pop them out uh, at night. It just fit into her life the way she wanted it to be. And recently, we were looking at old pictures uh, of the before times, before, you know, before the, the world changed. And she looked at herself. She went, oh, my God, look at my smile. It's so different. It's so different. I love how it looks now. And this is wonderful. So what happens is your treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. And it's all done from the comfort and convenience of your very own home. Canada only works with orthodontists, never general dentists like other companies. Plus, your supervising orthodontist will be with you every step of the way. With Candid, your treatment includes remote monitoring by the same orthodontist who created your plan, so you never have to wonder how you're doing. You always know. And my wife really, really appreciated that. The average Candid treatment is just six months. You'll start seeing results way before that, and it costs thousands less than braces. So start straightening your teeth today. Right now, all the listeners of Slashcast can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to candidco.com slash filmcast and use the code filmcast. That's candidco.com slash the word filmcast with promo code filmcast. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit candidco.com slash the word filmcast and promo code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right. Before we move on to what we've been watching, uh, I want to acknowledge two things. Um, in the last segment, we talked a little bit about the Patreon blithely. I do want to say that that is a real thing. It's not It's not just a fake thing we put up. Uh, it, we will talk about it more yeah. next week. But yeah, it's Please a real page. Please give us real money, not fake money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real page, and uh, there will be real things behind it. And you can go to patreon.com slash the word film podcast. But I also want to acknowledge, folks, that we have already received our very first patron. Whoa! It happened in real time! Right. It happened in real time. Uh, Jose Cordova... Became the first Jose person. Cordova. I know that name. I've interacted with Jose. Lovely. That's amazing. Thank you, Jose. Thank Thank you, Jose. You. Jose Cordova. We give Jose first... some sort of a title, a first first patron. <laughs> <laughs> Very creative, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> this is you know, why uh, people pay us the big you bucks. Know, you nailed it, Jeff. That's why I'm the idea man, Dave. Thanks, Jose. And again, we'll talk more about the Patreon next week. But it is real. Uh, even though we are kind of being facetious about it, it's a real thing. We'll talk more about it next week. Jeff Kanata. We just need 4,000 more Jose's. <laughs> I mean, if we got 4,000 more Jose's, we'd be pretty in pretty happy. good state. Yeah, pretty good we'd state. Be all be very happy. We'd be all good. We'd be all good. That's, and that's such a tiny, tiny fraction it's such of the a total small people listening. It's a, such a small fraction of the number of people listening to this episode right now. It's yeah. it's literally 0.001% of the people listening to this. And no, if I'm you so if you want to be if you want to be <laughs> don't let don't let your your friends be the 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 Jose. Just jump in. Anyway, what what are we oh, talking uh, about? <laughs> Victor G- Di Giovanni in the chat room says we should call him Patron Zero, which I think is very good. Mm. Oh, very Patron nice. Zero. Patron Zero. Um, That's pretty good. Jeff Canada, what have you watched this week? I hope I hope his ideas spread like a virus, Dave. Great. I've been great, watching a lot of great stuff. Great language. Great language. I've been. Wa- 
It's just, you know, it's the language of our times. Why not embrace it? Rochelle, um, Pre- Rochelle Prentice became second donor, by the way, just now. Let's we just turn about. the show into a live <laughs> update of our patrons. It, it's just incre- it's incredible that, you know, we, a few dozen people are listening, but people are already contributing. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you to the people who've already donated. We Rochelle just need 3,999 3, more. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can all quit our jobs. And then we can <laughs> all quit the jobs. Okay, yeah. Jeff, what have you watched? It would week? be so much better if we didn't have jobs, you guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, Jeff, what are you watching? Uh, I've, I've watched a, a number of things this week. Uh, let's start with uh, some of that Emily in Paris. I heard a lot of people talking about the Emily yeah. in Paris. Uh, my wife and I sat down and, and checked that out. It's a new Netflix show uh, created by one of the creators of Sex in the City. Uh, this is the story of young Emily, who through a wacky series of events, finds herself- Where does herself... she go, Jeff? Where does she go? Well, this title she starts... has me really confused. She starts in Chicago, Devendra, and you'll never believe where she ends <laughs> oh up. God. Oh, my God. Emily finds herself in Paris. It is what? a shocking, shocking turn. What? And they do it right there in the first episode. <laughs> it's crazy. Incredible. You know, that's, that's yeah. really confident. It's confident is what it is. Yeah, it's like calling your shot. It's like, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What is wrong with us? Okay, go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> Everything. Uh, we have two patrons. We're drunk with power. Um, the uh, the uh, this ep- this show is 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 garbage, but it is delightful garbage, right? It is it's 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 it's, it's cotton candy. Um, my wife uh, has been eating it up, uh, and knowingly that like it's not that great, but it is sort of. Uh, Easy, breezy, relax, watching. Uh, there's enough kind of good-natured charm in the show. There's a lot of uh, of sort of travel porn, <laughs> you know, like uh, wonderfully shot vistas of, of the Parisian skyline, uh, you know, uh, very attractive What, what a perfect people. timing, right? Right? Like, this is the <laughs> yeah. time when we can't go anywhere. So it's like, yes, put Americans in Paris. That's where we all want to be. Thank you very much, Netflix. That's all. And doesn't hurt that it's a bunch of very attractive American people and a bunch sure. of very attractive French people who are talking in very attractive accents, uh, all doing very attractive things attractively. Um, you know, it, it's got sort of overtones of Devil Wears Prada. You know, it's this fish out of water story, but she's, you know, she's going to win them over with her pluck and her uh, American ingenuity. It is and- basically Ted Lasso. In Paris. It's a very bad version of yeah. Ted Lasso. It's Ted Lasso without any of the heart or cleverness. Um, but, it, you know, it's sort of, uh, uh, like I said, can, uh, a cotton candy entertainment. My wife is digging it. Uh, I don't think it holds a candle to something like Sex in the City, although yeah, it yeah. scratches similar itches in the sense of sort of like, yeah. you know, vicarious living and and... You know, people wearing very expensive clothing in very expensive places, looking fabulous and saying very pithy things. It's, you know, it's what you expect it to be, really. Yeah. You're talk about, in, talk about uh, Patreon goals, by the way. Slash Filmcast reviews all of Sex in the City. Let's go! That's wow. a That show is yeah. actually, that show is actually really it's good. It's great. Opinion. It's a fun show. I, I it's have a great, It's a great show. show. Yeah. I, I, so, yeah. That would be a blast. I think, I think you just committed us to like <laughs> 400 hours of entertainment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Jeff, you're two episodes into Emily in Paris. Yeah. Uh, my wife is like six episodes in. So 
she was like, I'm just going to watch a few more of these before I go to bed. It, she's found her show where she can just sort of relax and, and de-stress and watch this flight of fancy. So I've, I've already mm-hmm. fallen off the, the train, you know, I, I'm that, I'm, I'm that person who was like, Oh, look, I'll, uh, I'll get out right here and I'll just check out this other thing. And then the train takes off and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not on that train anymore. No, you so more, you me. more like you leapt off while the train was moving. You're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just yeah. Keep rolling. Uh, just keep rolling. I, I'm not, yeah. You're fine. I hit the ground and you tuck and roll. That's what you do. So, well, that's yeah. Emily in Paris. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Uh, Jeff, what else are you watching? Well, so the, uh, oops, what did I do? The, um, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Hang on. Yeah, you, you, the, just deleted, uh, <laughs> you deleted a bunch of your show notes just now. Yeah, I didn't mean to. This is going uh, great. This is going please, great. Please contribute to our Patreon. Um, the, <laughs> the Ted Lasso is on Apple TV Plus, which I uh-huh. think we all, uh, especially Devendra, I remember Devendra being very vocal about this, uh, sort of derided the first slate of Apple TV Plus original programming. They were pretty bad. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of great. Uh, there was a lot of big names and a lot of high profile stuff, but the overall quality uh, was was a little disappointing from my perspective. I think Devendra was really yeah. critical of it. You, I mean, um, you liked the morning show, and I didn't even like that. So, yeah, I liked is a strong word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I found th- I found things to like about it. Yeah, um, but I do think this sort of second wave of uh, it's a very small wave. It's a it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a very you know it's not a crashing wave, but there's a few shows there that I think now. Um, I'm more and more tempted to continue my Apple TV plus subscription beyond the free year that I got. Ted Lasso is one and another is long way up, which I have been watching. Uh, I have been eagerly anticipating when I heard it was happening because I was a fan of the long way round and long way down, which are two, uh, docu-series that happened in the early two thousands. Um, and it's, it starred Ewan McGregor, the actor Ewan McGregor and his best friend. And it chronicled uh, motorcycle trips, long adventure bike trips that they did uh, across large swaths of the world, uh, across uh, continents that, that they just kind of took their bikes out uh, and uh, had an adventure seeing the world. And it was so wonderful to watch it through their eyes and live vicariously through them. And I, it's funny, you know, I talked about... Um, eco challenge uh, a, a while back yeah your favorite was, show yeah well it was at that time <laughs> uh, and it's sort of the same time period i was watching eco challenge i was watching the long way round and the long way down and it, it was the same period where i was sort of you know just gotten to la and i was watching all these i don't know it, it was the same type of show like traveling the world getting yourself into um you know predicaments dealing with weather and dealing with travel and all that stuff and very romantic notions to me, right? I fantasized about doing something similar to what Ewan McGregor and his friend were doing. Um, I, I, I'm not a motorcycle guy, but just the idea of like going somewhere and having this adventure, seeing the world, learning about new cultures and people and seeing, getting off the beaten path. You know, this isn't like travel in a, in, in a, in, in hotel to hotel or, or, you know, it, it really is arriving in a place and you don't know where you are and you just have to stop because you need to fill up gas or whatever. Very, very entertaining shows. Now, this is them returning to it over a decade later. Uh, much older people, although you wouldn't tell looking at Ewan McGregor, who is somehow unaged. But um, but uh, they are trying it in the context of a new world that we're living in. 
And that is uh, they're doing it with electric bikes, all electric bikes. And the support vehicles, the camera crew, the support team that they have are in all electric vehicles as well. And they're going from the bottom, the very tippy top bottom, tippy bottom, I guess is a word that I just made up, uh, of Argentina, of, of South America. And they're, they're riding their bikes from the very, very bottom tip of South America all the way up to Los Angeles. That's wild. And they wild. Can, they, how are they charging? What? That, that is really the thrust of the first few yeah. episodes of this series. Is I found how, a Tesla charger in the jungle, folks. Yeah, Let's, exactly. Uh, how do we <laughs> even do this? this? Right. How do we even do this? So the the crazy thing is I I won't spoil too much of it, but the crazy thing is they're literally doing this trip on prototypes. They're like Mm. Harley Davidson built motorcycles for them. And then this other company whose name I can't remember at the moment, um, this other company built pickup trucks, uh, uh, electric pickup truck vehicles and they're literally the the model numbers of the pickups are 001 and 002 uh and so and 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 that same company installed charging stations in south america for them um but so it's wild they're they're like literally in these these not production vehicles, like on not production bikes, not production it's, uh, pickups. Rivian, by the way, Rivian, which Rivian, is a company yeah. that is doing really cool looking stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Oh to Oh man, the cars. trucks are slick looking, they man. Look they're so really good. cool. Yeah, uh, full of tech, really fascinating. But yeah, they're you know they're like we don't even know. No one's dri- no one has driven these, let alone driven them 170 miles a day for right. 180 days in a row. It's like bonkers 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 that even companies would be like yeah well let's let's try it and you know they get into situations like in the i think the first episode or second episode they get into a situation where they run out of juice and they have to like tow charge it where one car pulls the other and then through kinetic energy they charge the battery it's like (laughs) wild stuff and so fascinating so fun from just a tech head perspective seeing how they handle those challenges you know they'll like pull into a town and go this town a town is a strong word for it it's you know a few houses in the middle of nowhere in south america and they uh you know come to what is basically the only hotel in town and they go hey can we plug in overnight here you know it's wild it's wild um and very very entertaining i highly recommend the show uh Hugh mcgregor of course charming but his friend is also quite charming and you know especially now where i can't travel at all and yeah. just seeing people travel is a treat to live vicariously so a long way up on apple tv plus it gets a big thumbs up for me i'm very very much enjoying it cool um true fact uh interviewing ewan mcgregor in 2008 july was my yeah. very first celebrity interview on the slash filmcast ever Oh, wow. Wow. Um, yeah. And he was, yeah, he was promoting Long Way Down at that point. Oh, wow. Which at the time I was like, oh, this sounds like, uh, you know. That's fine. I, cer- I certainly didn't think it would still be a thing 12 years later. I'll put it that way. But it's <laughs> He just cool seems like a, th- a nice guy. Yeah, he seems he like such a, a nice very, human. Very pleasant fellow. Very pleasant yeah. fellow and obviously ridiculously good looking. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Long Way Down, 2008. Now Long Way Up, 2020 on Apple TV+. Plus. The the uh, thing too that's so, so marvel marvelous about it is that you know they'll be driving on, on motorcycles through dirt roads that aren't even roads it's just gravel uh, you know over many many hours in the day just 
beaten down by weather. They start in the snow in Argentina, you know, and they get out and, you know, just weary after an entire day on the road and he pulls off his helmet and his hair is perfect. <laughs> perfect. It's like, ha- of course, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Of course. You, you, do you think that shot was actually set up or did it look real? Like that's the thing. I feel like he's just he's just naturally always mm. the, the handsome person. You know, he's just you one pay, of those I mean, people. You pay for that. Yeah. 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 What else have you been watching, Jeff Kanata? Well, I also took Devendra's advice a few weeks oh, yeah. ago. Devendra uh, mentioned introducing his daughter to my neighbor Totoro on the HBO Max. Has a, mm-hmm. an entire Studio Ghibli uh, channel on the HBO Max, and I'd been meaning to do it. Finally, got around to doing it this week. My my kids, my my kids don't watch movies yeah, so much yeah. so much as memorize them. Mm-hmm. They they get you into will see a ruts. movie hundreds of times by it, you know a yeah. single week. Yeah, they will get into a rut where all they want is the same movie four billion d times. So mm-hmm. I have seen Zootopia four hundred yeah. times, and it's not we, we all of Zootopia. Your a little, yeah. It's only the first thirty five minutes of Zootopia because then it gets <laughs> scary at a certain point, and we need to start yeah. over from the beginning again where it's light and fun. So anyway, so I was in desperate need of introducing a new experience. And honestly, I wasn't sure how my kids were going to handle it because they, they haven't watched very many movies. They've watched Cars. They've watched Zootopia. Uh, and that's about it. They watch a lot of, uh, you know, yeah, TV yeah. type stuff, but not long form uh, movies. My four-year-old son instantly magnetized to the television. This is Just, a perfect movie. Yeah. But it utterly transfixed. Uh, and I was so delighted by that. Um, my, my daughter was into it as well. Uh, you know, it, it does get a little sad and a little scary. It's at points, mm-hmm. but uh, there was a couple of hiding behind things when the, uh, the soot goblins were moving about, but, um, but man, it's delightful to watch. I loved seeing them watch hand drawn animation, which is yes. rare. I mean, they've seen a few yeah. things that are hand drawn, but it's very rare these days to see that kind of stuff. And, um, you you were absolutely right, Devendra. It's it, it's a great way to introduce kids. And you know, my son was like, "No, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it." Like you know, thirty seconds in, couldn't pull him away from the from the from the film. That's so great. I'm I'm glad yeah. it, it's hitting off. I will say once they once they're open for more, I think Kiki's delivery service is a good one because yeah. it's fun and like there's not many scary things. Um, I just introduced my daughter to Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which I thought she'd be too afraid of. And this is a movie, by the way, about a world that has been destroyed because of humanity's hubris. And you have to go outside in masks. Otherwise, you die in five minutes. And she's like, oh, yeah, I get it. I get this movie right now. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of places to go with Ghibli. All right. Well, that is My Neighbor Totoro. We're going to take a break. We're going to thank some sponsors and then come right back. Let me just jump in right here and tell you about my deodorant. It's native i love my native deodorant because it doesn't just block odor better it's made better i've been using native now for probably over a year it has ingredients i've heard of like coconut oil shea butter tapioca starch it's vegan never tested on animals native never uses ingredients like aluminum parabens sulfates or talc And that's because aluminum forms a plug in your sweat glands to help keep you from sweating, which that doesn't sound right. 
Switching to aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. And they've got over 10 different scents, including rotating seasonals, which is pretty cool. Native has something for everybody. Their most popular classic scents are coconut and vanilla. Ooh, I like that one. Lavender and rose. Mm, That's good too. Cucumber and mint, which is the one I'm currently using. And citrus and herbal musk, which I haven't even tried yet. I might have to make that my next next order. Cucumber and mint is the one I'm using now. Dig in it. Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U.S., plus a free 30-day return policy with free exchanges. See why so many people love Native and check out over the 14,000 five-star reviews and do what I did. Make the switch to Native today by going to nativedo.com slash filmcast. That's Native and then the first three letters of deodorant, nativedo.com slash filmcast. Use promo code filmcast at checkout and you get yourself 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash the word filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, or use promo code filmcast at checkout for 20% off your first order. All right, Jeff, what else have you been watching this week? So, you know, our, our mutual friend, um, um, Danish Syed, he, he he's the reason that I'm on the cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. Uh, uh-huh, sole reason, uh-huh. the only reason. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I, I trust, ha- I trust hateful. him. Hateful, Jeff, what you just said. But okay, tr- yeah. Trust him uh, just implicitly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Impeccable taste, impeccable yep. recommendations. Uh-huh. Uh, and he texted me a, a few nights ago and said, um, I know you uh, only did the the free trial, seven-day free trial for Shudder. Yeah. But you have to watch Scare Me. It's phenomenal and it feels like it was made for you. And uh you know I'll do anything that Danish says cuz he's never steered me wrong, uh mm-hmm. giving me great life advice and yeah. uh career advice and he's, you know it's just a trusted trusted friend uh, yeah. and it's, okay. you know trusted people you can trust that are friends, just few and far between, you know what I'm saying, guys? It's not it's it's too rare to get solid trusted advice from from friends. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh Anyway, so I uh, I dipped back into the shutter, and I thought, you know, we got to have a little uh, spooktober content here on the Slash Filmcast. I got to bring my some 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 scaretober spooktacular uh, shivertainment for the the faithful listeners, right? You know, because they're lining up to be patrons at this point. They deserve some uh, some uh, thrill tober action. So. Uh, Let's keep going with this. Wow, yeah, it's it's excruciating. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, I popped in the scare me last night. This is a a Shutter original uh, film, uh, hour and forty minutes, and it is definitely my jam. I really really dug it. I don't know if it'll be for everybody, but it is certainly for me. You guys know how I love movies that are barely movies you know uh that are you know uh that are basically just two people in a room two people in a room yeah yeah that's this movie uh it is it is sort of a love letter to storytelling uh it's it's comedic uh in parts lighthearted and fun but also you know it's it's called scare me it's it's talking about some scary stuff but it is two characters that find themselves in a remote cabin in the snow 
and they start having a scare off where they just start telling stories to each other. And there isn't, we don't then take the movie into their fantasy world where we see their stories. We just stay with them and let them tell us the story. But they sort of flesh it out with Foley work and very, very light flourishes, uh, camera moves and, and lighting changes and stuff. But the idea is they're sitting around the campfire and they're telling each other stories. So imagine, I don't know if either of you guys have seen uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The we improvised talk, we about it on the podcast a little bit. Yeah. yeah the two man improvised comedy show that's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Love those guys. They're fantastic. And their long form improvised comedy is, is top notch. But if anybody has seen Middle Ditch and Schwartz, you know that they play all the characters in a scene. They move around. They sometimes step out of the scene and comment on it in a meta way and kind of laugh at it. Uh, but and they'll they'll do different voices and they'll do different physical stances to be in. It's an improv show where they're creating scenes out of nothing. They're pantomiming. It's called space work. They're they're they're, they're creating it all on stage in front of you. An entire scene with or entire story with dozens of characters. That's this movie, except it's not improvised. That is what this movie is. It's two characters doing that, but sort of bolstered by actual Foley work, actual sound effects, and sometimes manipulating their voices and doing cool camera moves. And they don't, they tell multiple stories. The stories are fascinating and interesting. The, the actors are great and do a fantastic job. The female lead is, uh, I don't, should have her name in front of me. She's the female lead from You're the Worst, which Aya is a Cash. show I enjoyed. Yes, she's great. Yes. Yeah, uh, she's so great. Um, and it, uh, Chris Red makes an appearance, but it's basically a two hander for almost the entire thing. So it's basically like watching Middle Ditch and Schwartz, but done with a, a little bit of effects work, a little bit of cool camera work, and uh, the horror genre. It also that's ends fun. in a really yeah. clever way. It has a fun little twist at the end that's super, that's clever and fun. I highly, highly, highly recommend Scare Me if you're at all in sync with my sensibilities because it was a home run. Not like anything I've ever seen in the horror genre before. Really, really wonderful use of language. Uh, it, it's, it's a love letter to storytelling. Like they're critiquing each other's stories as they go, trying to make them better. They step out and comment like, oh, maybe she should do that in that moment. No, 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 do it this way. That kind of thing. They're like sculpting these stories and having a competition of who can tell the scariest, best told story. It, and then it also has kind of has something to say at the end, which is, which is pretty great. I, I was very impressed with Scare Me and highly recommend it. It's worth Upping the like what five ninety nine for a month of Shutter, uh, very much worth it just for that one movie. Scare me. A few thoughts, Jeff. First of all, uh, you it's actually fairly easy to find a thirty day free trial for Shutter right now. I, I I was able to find one. I actually located one after you mentioned last week's movie. Right? What was it? Too um, little, too late, Dave. Sounds like too little, too late. Uh, okay, that's weird reaction. But um, what was the movie? Host, right? You mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So I, you were so glowing about that movie, and then I, I thought to myself, okay, I need to get out a, sh- a Shutter trial at least to, to uh, watch this movie. And now this movie, Scare Me, comes up as well. You know, Jeff, you went into this whole thing saying, hey, I, I'm not a huge fan of horror. Meanwhile, 
This is a couple weeks where you've recommended this is your second shutter. Sh- recommendation. This is your second yeah. shutter recommendation, Jeff. Nobody is F- more surprised than me, Dave. <laughs> I, I, nobody is more surprised than me. Here I am, this fan of Shutter. All of a sudden, After I, we I don't reviewed know. a Shutter movie too. Yeah. yeah. How did I find myself here? I don't know. <laughs> How did I get here? Okay, that's uh, scare me. It's available right now in Shutter, uh, and it's fairly easy to sign up for a seven day or even a thirty day uh, subscription. I'm looking forward to enjoying my trial. This month. But also, really I, I mean, I think yeah. the movie, both of those movies, like Host and Scare Me, it's worth the six bucks. Like six yeah. bucks for a month. Yeah, yeah. It's even if you don't get a free trial, it's worth it. it it's that's a bargain at that price. Yeah. I, I believe in, you know, <laughs> you don't need to tell me, Jeff. I believe in paying for the medias. Now you keep so, telling people about how w- yeah. ways you can get more free stuff. I'm just saying, Dave. I'm just saying. Although right. if they do get a free trial they can use that money to become patrons of the slash film cast <laughs> yeah really nailing wow. it um okay uh Devinder harder what have you been watching this week oh i've been binging the haunting of bly manor which i've been waiting for for so very long this is mike flanagan's second netflix a series um actually i think he was producer on a couple others before but yeah this is he's, sort he's of a haunting of hill house guy basically haunting of hill house um, guy this is sort it's it's not a sequel because it's a completely different story um so i think he's treating this as a sort of like anthology thing like a american horror story and um it's also very different because i'm about halfway through this show and they're like it is sort of like gothic horror, um, gothic romance. There aren't actually many scares. Instead, it's, um, you know, it's a show that's all about people dealing, you know, with their with their personal demons and their guilt and everything. And it's really interesting to see him kind of work through horror like this. Um, you know, the setup is a, an American, hey, an American uh, nanny comes to London and uh, she she has to be a nanny to two creepy kids. Um, wow, yeah. is it, this it's sort of like theme. the thing? It's yeah. wow, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, Expats she all around. <laughs> she gets a job uh, off in the English countryside for this uh, giant manor to take care of two kids whose parents have died. Uh, the nanny's also going through her own like personal thing. Um, I, I think like her her story is sort of the first thing you run into where you're like, oh, ghosts are in this world because she is haunted by this thing she sees in the mirror so she has to cover up every single mirror she she comes across and it's it's a really fascinating show um i'm really digging all the characters there's a housekeeper um a a cook all of who have really interesting storylines of their own and what's you know what's kind of fascinating is that it's all around this giant english manor and yeah there, there are certainly ghosts there are freaking ghosts everywhere but it doesn't it doesn't jump to yeah, it doesn't use jump scares at all. It doesn't really feel like horror. Instead of it's more like like just creeping dread because everybody, something about everybody is kind of broken and they're all just trying to deal with it in their own ways. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get possessed by uh, an evil ghost and uh, shit happens, you know? Um, I'm really digging it. If you liked Haunting of Hill House, I feel like this would be right up your alley. It is, it, it is very, it is not like horror in the way we think of it. But it does make me think of like uh, just how much I enjoy how Mike Flanagan plays with the horror genre. You know, uh, Oculus. When you say it's his not like horror movies. the way we think of it, what does that mean? Yeah. Like it just doesn't have the it's jump scares. Scary. Or it's not as bloody. Like it's yeah. not scary in the way that you think a horror movie, you know, would be scary. Like there, mm. there aren't many scares, but there's dread. You know, creeping dread, and maybe once in a while you'll see a ghost that will kind of freak you out a little. 
and sometimes the sound design will play that up. But it's not really a jump scare. It is. Well, it is you, sort of like. Would you say yeah. a Haunting of Hill House is a conventional horror film, though? I, or a much more horror. so. Yeah, much more it. so conventional because a Haunting of Hill House was. There were a lot of jump scares. There was a lot of moments where that show was really trying to like you uh, make you startled by what something you see in the background. They used to hide. They hid ghosts throughout that show too. So if you rewatched it, there's just creepy stuff that you will notice even more. Like I, I feel like that show really tried to hone in on the sort of haunted house idea. Whereas this one is more like English Gothic stuff where um, it's, it's a bit like, I don't know. I'm getting shades of like, um, uh, give me some good Gothic stuff here. Like Jane Eyre in a way, Mm. sort of like the, the sort of idea of like lost romance and the guilt that you carry with you through your life and how that can affect you and how that can show up as an apparition or something. And maybe it's actually a ghost. I don't know. Uh, I'm halfway through the show. I'm really enjoying it. I love this storyline, these characters, and a lot of the actors from Hill House appear here too with questionable English accents. Like Carla Gugino is here with uh, playing much older than her age, I think. And uh, she's fine. But I've definitely seen reviews, especially from English outlets floating around saying like, good God, the accents in the show are horrific. I don't have a problem with it, but it is, it's funny to see the English press just kind of tear this apart a little. But yeah. Mm. Anyway, I love Mike Flanagan. I love what he does with horror. Um, Oculus. That was when I love that movie because it's a horror movie where people know that they know the rules, right? They're like, they're smart. They know like not to fuck with this mirror. They know how like they've lived their entire lives fighting it. And it's a horror movie about people who understand the rules of horror. This one is, I yeah, he's playing with gothic romance and horror in a way that is just kind of interesting and fascinating to me. I see a lot of people being bored by it, but I think there's, it does really cool things. Um, it plays with time in interesting ways. And if you finished Hill House, uh, I think that was one of the more interesting bits of that show. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but you know, that show had a really interesting thing where it was like something that haunted you through your entire life uh, could be something you didn't even realize, you know, something that's actually very personal to you. Anyway, Haunting of Bly Manor, very good. I love Mike Flanagan. I want him to keep making all the things um, incredibly well written. Really good watch. All right. And that uh, Haunting of Bly Manor is streaming right now on Netflix. Uh, I was a huge fan of Dr. Sleep. You know, that, yeah, that is a movie that bombed last year. Such bombed. a good movie. I solid, love that movie. Solid movie. Yeah. Solid movie. Very, solid movie. very handsome lead actor, too. Mm-hmm. Let's put him on a bike, shall we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. It took me a second to remember who it was, Jeff. I was like, I was like, I know this is some kind of joke. Um, but, uh, okay. Uh, Devendra, what else have you been watching? Two quick shout outs. Um, I've been watching Larry Wilmore's show, his return. On Peacock, which is a streaming service that actually exists, mm-hmm, it launched, mm-hmm. and I, uh, Say I, I more. completely Say forgot. Say more about this yeah. streaming, this Peacock. This Peacock from NBC, which is not a 30 Rock bit, because that is clearly something um, Tracy Jordan would like come up with, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, but Will Moore, he's back. He's late night. He is ranting, and I've been catching most of this stuff on like YouTube but I love, I just love him. I love his personality and his perspective. Like uh, one of his mo- most recent videos was about undecided voters. And it's really just like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, what are you, what are you doing? Like uh, in just in five minutes, just really breaking down the argument of like, what the hell are you thinking? Do you want to like, I think one bit is just like, so you're tired of eating shit, right? But instead of, instead of the guy giving you ice cream, you're not sure about their platform. 
you're not sure if they're selling themselves that you know enough so you're gonna keep eating shit um but not uh you know be really hesitant about the ice cream that really makes sense doesn't it anyway will more on peacock uh you can catch a lot of it on youtube we uh, you know peacock is free plus paid uh for some shows but this one is free and you can check it out pretty easily all right that is uh larry wilmore on peacock and what else you've been watching devendra just a little slice of joy uh selena plus chef is a show about selena gomez trying to cook while video chatting with like an award-winning chef and that's all it is that's the show it's on hbo max i shall say very little more because that's it that's the show it's just her fumbling around her kitchen and a chef like just being really sad about it and her friends trying to help her out I find it it's really endearing. It's it's kind of like a real life sitcom because she is adorably clueless in a way, but she's also funny and entertaining. It's like, oh, this is why she is so, you know, she's so good at this because she grew up being such a great entertainer. And uh, I like cooking shows in general, too. So it's kind of a nice little light, fluffy cooking show thing. And Selena Gomez is a treat. So check it out. It's on HBO Max. All right. That's uh, Selena and Chef. Let me run through a few things I've been watching. Um, first of all, I want to give a shout out to a short film called 2020, which is a, a parody of the movie 1917. I don't know if you guys um, saw this. It's kind okay. of starting to go a little bit uh, viral on YouTube. I've not but, seen this, but okay. Yeah, it's it's basically, uh, it's like kind of a parody of 1917 where it's all done in like one long shot uh, or it's or a few shots. And um, Great idea. I mean, I'll read the... I'll read the opening card. It says, this short is a parody and love letter to the film 1917. It's an adventure about two roommates attempting to survive nearly every insane event from 2020 presented as one unbroken shot. Uh, 2020 was written, directed, shot, and edited by one person, supported by a small producing team. Took us three months to create, contending with safety regulations, filming at dusk, lost footage, and nearly no budget. So, like, it was real hard. Thanks for taking the time to watch and stay safe. So this is on a YouTube channel called Ascender. And it was uh, directed by Stephen Ford. And Stephen and I follow each other on Twitter. And I saw him tweeting about this. And this thing's pretty cool. It's a, at about 100,000 views. Check it out. It's like a, it's just a really cool piece of DIY filmmaking. You know, it looks like very scrappily made. But it's also like the idea. It's not just kind of um, uh, a technical exercise. It's not merely a technical exercise. It also tries to comment on... Uh, what is happening right now in our world, and it uses the uh, long continuous shot shtick for uh, interesting effect. So I'd recommend checking it out. It's free. It's on YouTube right now. It's called 2020 1917 Parody. So, uh, and let's see. In the remaining time, I will say, uh, give a shout out to this email I got from Adam Moore, who writes in the slash filmcast gmail.com. I don't have a Twitter account, um, but wanted to recommend David Attenborough's latest documentary to the podcast. So let me pause here for a second. If you want to recommend something for what we've been watching, use the hashtag slash tag. That's the the hashtag symbol, the word slash tag. A lot of people have been doing it. Uh, And if you search hashtag slash tag, you'll find all the things that people have been recommending for us. So every now and then somebody says, I don't have Twitter. I don't want to do any of that. And Adam is one of those people. Uh, And he writes in, I don't have a Twitter account, but I wanted to hashtag slash tag recommend David Attenborough's latest documentary of the podcast. It's part nature documentary, part biography on David Attenborough's life. The film describes itself as his witness statement to the changes in global climate 
Obviously, that portion of the movie is depressing. However, the last 40 minutes of this brisk 90-minute documentary are dedicated to real-world solutions that humanity can take to reverse the damage. Uh, I promise you that you will walk away hopeful for our future after taking my advice and watching this for the Slash Filmcast. Uh, this movie hasn't been able to crack the top 10 on Netflix uh, in the U.S. since it debuted, and I believe the Slash Filmcast can introduce it to a wider audience. It is my sincere hope that David Attenborough's Life on Our Planet will be the next feature review after Ted Lasso. Uh, that's Adam from South Carolina. Sorry, Adam, that is not going to happen, but I am mentioning it right now during what we've been watching, <laughs> which is just as good. Still just get that good. Filmcast bump. Still get that selection. So it's David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. And it basically is, uh, yeah, it's what Adam yeah. described. You, do, you just can't stop talking about our planet, man. You know, like, it, it is ostensibly a documentary. Wow. wow. It, it's ost- <laughs> ostensibly a documentary about David Attenborough's life. But like, cause that's what the, that's what the title of the documentary would imply. But in reality, it's it's basically David Attenborough giving a sermon, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm I mean, down for he's that. A, he's yeah. a very compelling speaker. He's very smart, very knowledgeable. He's in his 90s, and he has seen the world literally transform in his time studying nature. And you get a sense of how it has transformed and how dire of a situation we're in. But the one thing that I really took away from this is the idea that mankind has basically altered the world like it has reshaped the world around itself and there's one statistic in the movie that really stuck with me uh one third uh, like if you take all the mammals in the world and like put them on a scale right like one third of that weight would be humans 60 percent of it would be mammals that are specifically bred to be eaten by humans and then 4% of it is literally everything else from mice wow. to whales, mm. right? Wow. And so like so much of mammalian life is is basically just um, food to eat. And obviously, you know, f- for those who are vegetarians out there and know like that eating meat or, or stop eating meat, it can is, is one of the things you can do that will be extremely impactful from a a carbon footprint perspective because so much energy is spent raising and feeding and processing meats. Um, And so anyway, that's just one of the the several. What's the other 6%? 33%. You don't want to know, Jeff. Oh, oh, you said 33. I thought you said 60, 30, and 4. No, I said a third, a third of humans, yes. Oh, but, oh, I see. But but I'm glad to see you're checking my math instead of focusing <laughs> focusing on what I'm actually saying, Jeff. Thank you for that. Um, so anyway, uh, I thought there I think... were secret mammals somewhere that we didn't know about. <laughs> Look, it was just rough estimates, okay, Jeff? It's just rough. <laughs> who knows how they calculated that stuff anyway. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, the, there was many interesting facts like that, but it's really breathtaking what humanity has done to planet Earth and. Uh, this documentary kind of gives you a sense of that. It, it's I think it's even less than 90 minutes. It's like 88 minutes. It's very short, but it gives you a taste of how the world is changing and what we need to do to... Uh, and, and there's this, this whole thing about like, oh, we got to save the planet, right? But I think all of us know the planet's going to be just fine, right? Um, it, it's, it has survived asteroids and volcanoes and all this crazy shit. Um, really, when we're talking about saving the planet, we're talking about saving ourselves mm-hmm. um, because the planet's going to be fine. It's humankind that might not survive. And uh, this 
documentary, David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet, streaming right now on Netflix, is basically a plea, hey, there's still time. There's still time to do what's necessary to save ourselves. So check it out. It's David Attenborough, Life on Our Planet on Netflix, and uh, it is worth considering. And and consider maybe letting this documentary inform who you vote for this fall, you know? Because I feel like there's a party out there, in the United States at least, that values science mm. and uh, might be something you want to factor I don't know what you're thinking. talking about, Dave. I don't. Indeed. Hmm. Indeed. Hey, let me jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, forhims.com. Now, forhims.com is all about men's wellness. This is a place where you can get help with ED, hair loss, if you have a cold even. If you're interested in mental health or even COVID-19 home tests, Hims is there for you. Through Hims, you can get prescription medication that treats ED. Real science, real solutions to erectile dysfunction. And Hims makes it easy It connects you with licensed medical professionals online who can prescribe FDA-approved prescription medication to treat ED. You get the same active ingredient as that expensive little pill, but without the expensive price tag. And I know that it's probably, uh, you know, not comfortable, not a a conversation you really want to have in person with a a doctor. might be something that you've been putting off. Uh, ED happens to men of all ages, and it's not something that needs to be an embarrassment or a problem for you. You can actually get treatment. You can do it online discreetly, easily. Uh, be connected to a licensed medical professional online who can prescribe you the right medicine. This could cost you hundreds of dollars if you had to go through a doctor or a pharmacy, but not so with Hims. Hims makes it simple and affordable. No embarrassing conversations, no expensive appointments. You just answer a few questions online about your medical history. And then a provider will confidently review those and get back to you. If approved, your medication is shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging. And the shipping is free. So you don't have to search online for answers to questions about ED or sexual wellness. Just go to your HIMSS account and ask a medical professional that you can trust. Why live with it when the solution can be so simple? So try HIMSS today by starting out with a free online visit Go to forhims.com slash filmcast for your free visit. That's forhims.com slash filmcast, F O R H I M S dot com slash the word filmcast, F I L M C A S T. Prescription products are subject to medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash filmcast. All right. Um, that is. Let's let's actually move on to. Uh, let's do weekly plugs. We're gonna do weekly plugs. All right, welcome to Weekly Plugs. It's a segment of the show each week where uh, we plug something that we've either been working on or have been in or that someone we enjoy or that we like has created um, a a piece of work that we think is worth highlighting. Uh, I want to highlight a video I made on my YouTube channel this week, which is a tour of my Blu-ray collection. 
this is something that patrons on my personal Patreon page had been requesting for a long time. Um, so I put it together uh, this weekend. And really, it's it, mostly the reason why people want to watch this is to see my wife roast me for all of my terrible decisions. <laughs> so if that's something you're interested in, I mean, check yes. out my, yeah. more of my Blu-ray it. collection on my YouTube channel. We'll link to this in the show notes as always. So uh, that is my weekly plug. Devendra Hardware, what do you want to plug this week? Uh, just, a just a little thing. We had a special guest on the Engadget podcast last week, uh, uh, a guy called Bill Nye. Bill Whoa, Nye. The science guy. The science guy. Nice. Bill, Bill, Bill. It was great. Uh, we had him on to talk about, um, he's releasing this new like VR science kit, which is going to be kind of cool for kids. So, you know, they, they could do some AR stuff. They can stick their phones into like a cardboard thing and get some VR tutorial from Bill Nye. That's well that's all well and good. Our, the main reason I want to talk to Bill Nye was because he's freaking Bill Nye. And uh, he is angry. He is so, so angry. So I kind of just like launched some questions his way. And he went off, like railing against the Trump administration, railing against like our lack of like science knowledge in this country. And, um, you know, really, you know, it, it is the David Attenborough thing, basically, Dave. But also it's Bill Nye doing it. And he's angry. And he's not afraid to swear on a podcast, I think, or I don't think he swore, but he was very, you know, I feel like if, um, if he was talking like this on a late night show or something, his, uh, his manager would be like, a, like off screen, like, shut up, shut up. We just let him keep going. So if you want to hear an angry <laughs> eco warrior, Bill Nye, Bill Nye unplugged, Bill basically. Nye unplugged. I love it so much. Uh, it was a great chat to so check him out on the Engadget podcast. Bill Nye Unleashed, actually. That was maybe the word I was looking for. But yeah. Unplugged, that also works. You know, like MP NTV Unplugged. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, check that out on the Engadget podcast. Jeff Kanata, what is your weekly plug? Well, I'm going to talk about The Dungeon Run, which is my weekly long-form Dungeons & Dragons show. Not just for fans of Dungeons & Dragons, for fans of any kind of storytelling. I'm the storyteller in this case. I'm the dungeon master making up the story. They're having the players move through it. They're improvising their way, figuring it out, playing characters in my world and we just got last week to episode 67, which turned out to be the thing I have been building toward for almost two years. It is the culmination of so much of the world building and events and bad guys machinations. Uh, it's what I'm calling the end of act one of our story. And I just wanted to read some of just randomly some of the YouTube comments on episode 67 of the Dungeon Run, the episode entitled The Shattering, here's one. Uh, holy pepperoni, that is astonishing. I watched this episode because I couldn't sleep. Now I can't. Uh, here's another one. That, simply put, was brilliant. Uh, best show on the internet, and it ain't even close. Uh, why, 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 why can I only press the thumbs up button once? I wouldn't. I would sit here nonstop clicking at all hours of those magnificent episodes. Uh, here's another one. Wow, that was epically incredible, Jeff. You are a master storyteller. Single best D and D or D and D related thing I've ever seen. Oh my goodness! So uh, here's another one. Amazing episode. Wow, bravo. Uh, well, Jeff, I think I think it's fair to say uh, I'm glad that you read all the comments I left, and I assume my check is in the mail. Um, <laughs> Those were all from different people. Uh, what? Dave Chen one, Dave Chen two, <laughs> Dave Chen three, uh, all unrelated. Uh, but no, seriously, this is a show that I'm extremely proud of. Uh, it is last week's episode. I think blew some people's minds, including the cast. 
because they didn't know what was coming. And um, I, I just welcome people to give it a shot. If you like things like Game of Thrones, if you like things like Lord of the Rings, uh, check it out. We are an audio podcast. You can listen to us like an audiobook. I promise it works that way. There's incredible live scoring for the show that we have an, a music team that layers in music in real time as we're streaming that is makes the show awesome. Uh, but the visual side is incredible too. Last week we had a physical model uh, of the inside of a volcano that the team got to play on. Um, check it out. It's on YouTube. If you search for The Dungeon Run, uh, it's an audio podcast. And we also stream live and you can participate in, I think, the coolest co community uh, around. Uh, folks that are there live influencing the show in real time. Uh, Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. I'm expecting something big for you uh, from you, Jeff, in two episodes. So really, really well <laughs> for episode 69. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You better be good. OK, yeah, I'll work on it. Yeah, those are our weekly plugs. We also want to thank the people who donated to the podcast, made one time donations to the podcast. Soren Pertz, we already mentioned him earlier and his uh, wonderful message. Also, Radio Static writes in uh, from the Minister of Chance in Cheshire, England, just a lot of. A lot of pseudonyms going on here. Dear boys, wanted to explain why I felt compelled to make this donation. I could summarize it in one word. Respect. You Ooh. respect the medium and the audience. The yeah. careful and thankfully quite long spoiler bumper speaks to your concern for the audience's enjoyment rather than a reviewer's desire to talk. Under the courteous curation of Dave, guests, reviewers, and movies are allowed to breathe and to shine. We are set a gentle example in how to regard art with enthusiasm and humanity by all three of you. Thank you for years of unmissable entertainment. Uh, that is from the Minister of Chance, a.k.a. Dan. P.S. Some of Jeff's jokes constitute a crime against humanity, but we forgive you. A real, uh, really, really plunge wow. the dagger in there at the end. Yeah. 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 The, uh, that does feel like it was written by you as well, Dave. So I don't <laughs> know what to take of it. If you want to make a one-time donation to the podcast, paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Or uh, if you want to support us for no money at all, just go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review for us or a star rating. It really does help. Let's get to our review this week of Ted Lasso. Oi, mate, this is you. I believe it is. Wicked. You coaching football. You are a legend for doing something so stupid. I mean, it's mental. They're going to murder you. This is a bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club, despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. Oh! I know that AFC Richmond is going to give you everything they got, win or lose. Or tie. Right, y'all do ties here. Did you see that? He must be from England, yeah. Wales, that another country? Yes and no. How many countries are in this country? Four. Like it or not, Richmond are changing the way we do things. And from now on, that way is the lasso way. Hey, look, this car's got an invisible steering wheel. <laughs> that was from the trailer for Ted Lasso, new series on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, we watched all 10 episodes this week. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from, uh, from the internet. Small-time football coach Ted Lasso is hired to coach a professional soccer team in England, despite having no experience coaching soccer. Uh, okay. This was something that you guys both advocated for, and I, I want to take this this time that we have tonight talking about Ted Lasso to like understand why it is this is so important for you to, to talk about this. Like, what 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 was it like? This is a a, a sitcom, right? What made you feel like based Ted Lasso, off an NBC Sports ad? 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a, a goofy, it work. dumb Nothing about sketch. it should work. Yeah. Yes. So, 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 Devendra, t- talk me through like why you feel like we don't review sitcoms in general on the podcast, sure. right? Especially so entire me, TV shows. Yeah. Right. Right. In general, we don't. So, talk me through why you felt like this show was special enough to warrant our consideration. I think because it is, it is just kind of a perfect comedy. It is genuinely funny. I love every single character in the show. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked before. I'm not the biggest Jason Sudeikis fan, but I, I, I kind of, I dig his shtick. I feel like if I knew Ted Lasso in real life, I would probably find him to be too unbearable, you know, and uh, I would not want to be his friend. But you know, on this show and like his sort of like American optimism and like Midwestern charm uh, juxtaposed next to like really like the stodgy British folks who are very bad at expressing their feelings. I think it's a really funny um, dichotomy. Like that's just instant comedy right there. Um, also, the show was co-created by Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs, and I will just I'll watch everything he does because I love him so much. And I, I think it's great to have a show that's just about it's a show about emotionally mature adults and then people who are super immature, but like may be on the path to getting better. And then some people who are just assholes. But I love shows about just smart people and nice people just sharing their kindness and like bringing goodness into the world. I really dig that. Um, And it doesn't, it also does a smart thing of not just like making Ted this perfect, super optimistic guy, because there's, there's some stuff he's dealing with too. And his attitude may even reflect some of the difficulties he's having with his own life. And I think like as a character, he's really well portrayed and kind of nuanced too. even though again, I would probably hate him if I knew him. Um, but yeah, it's just so fun. I, I just love all these characters and love the journeys these characters make and sort of the friendships they make and the sort of impromptu, uh, unions, they all, they, they all bring together, like uh, somehow the people you wouldn't expect end up growing up or, you know, teaming up together and being pals and being very mature about their problems with each other sometimes too. And I appreciate that. I feel like we don't see enough of that on TV. This is sort of like the enlightened sitcom basically. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Jeff Kanata, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on Ted Lasso were. Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts about Ted Lasso are best summed up in the form of a limerick. If you want your own limerick, cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Nailed Thank it. you. Thank you. The first episode is not a great start, but boy, does this show have heart. Each character finds this value in kindness from Rebecca to Jamie Tart. Okay. Nice. That's pretty good, Jeff. Nice. Pretty good. Yeah. Finds yeah. this and kindness. I have to say, pretty good. Well Jeff. done. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I adore this show and I completely agree with everything Devendra said. This feels like a balm, a salve for 2020. It's it's a lovely uh, expression of how kindness and being a decent, good person is actually actually has value. And there are a lot of shows out there that I enjoy that are good, entertaining, fun shows. I mentioned you're the worst earlier in the episode as being a show I enjoy. Uh, but there's a lot of them that are sort of cynical and difficult not sort people. Of cynical. All those yeah, shows. Are, yeah. Yeah. You know, people that are, that are hard on each other that are cruel and mean. And there's some fun in watching that. There's some 
uh, humor to be gained out of out of that kind of thing. But I think the pendulum has swung a little too far in that direction. And we don't have very many people on TV who are just decent. And this show not only is decent, it it revels in its decency. It's a joy. Uh, it is about being good to each other. And there are a number of shows. Now, I'm about to say some things, and I want you guys not Uh-oh. to judge oh, boy. until... Okay. Don't judge until I've had my say. Hey, because okay. I will go. Yeah, I'm holding toe- Dave back over here. Holding him back. Please. I, I I will not judge, but then you cannot judge for the things I'm going to say later. Like, I know oh you're, boy, I know, I know oh you're teeing this up to hate this show, Dave, and it's going to yeah, break wow. both of our hearts. We're going to have to have a, like a nice Ted Lasso heart to heart in the locker room. That's what this is going to come down to. I know. I know. D- Dave's going to tear us all down. Um, if, you know, Friday Night Lights is a, is, is a show that I think is all, all about heart. And, and this mm-hmm. sort of uh, has themes of that. Oh, but so as, much. So as far much. As, yeah. As far as sitcoms go, now, hear me out here. Mm-hmm. I will go toe-to-toe with anybody and say Cougar Town is one of the great sitcoms. Oh, yeah. I no, no love argument here. No argument that here. show. Yeah, no argument. I love Lawrence that show. Win. Yeah. yeah. Now, no it is one of the most poorly titled yep. shows, yep. and it has a terrible premise. Another, <laughs> Another... Show in that category that I think is one of the great sitcoms, uh, taken away far too soon. Terrible title, pretty ridiculous premise. It was called Happy Endings. Now, yes, why do I bring so up those good. two shows? So good. Both of those sh- shows, excellent shows, and the reason is they in their in their pilot they jumped through hoops to establish a very specific premise that was a hook that was clearly the reason why these shows were sold to the networks they were sold to. The reason they exist is because this premise excited or motivated some executive somewhere to greenlight the show and make it happen, right? But the greatness of those shows is in direct proportion to how quickly they became not about their premise whatsoever, in both of those cases, in Cougar Town and in Happy Endings, the shows both became hanging out with these people. And these are fun, likable, good people trying to be good to each other. Cougar Town is about a group of friends having fun with each other. And, and almost every episode is positive. They all love each other. They're all doing fun shenanigans. Same thing with Happy Endings. Fun shenanigans. No cynicism. Just just good people being good. And I put Ted Lasso in that category as well. The first episode establishes this cockamamie premise that doesn't hold up even the tiniest bit of credulity. It, you know, this idea that an American football coach would be hired for uh, English football for, you know, uh, soccer, basically, we, we would call soccer. It, it, it makes no sense. And then, of course, we have the the ridiculous setup of the, you know, the producers or Major League or any of the other numerous examples of, well, they're secretly trying to tank the team for reasons, right? Not so secretly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, well, of course, it, it's going to the yeah. whole thing is going to be this battle and then we're going to win the day at the end and that'll show them. But the the show abandons that almost immediately. Now, there are threads of that that keep popping up. But 
for the most part, the show becomes this exploration of these people realizing that being good and being kind is a good idea. And it's, you, you, you get all of these, these archetypes that are clearly set up to be in opposition or to be, to give friction for comedic purpose. And by midpoint in the show, they're all hanging out in a room being best friends. And it's just joyous to watch for me. I love that. Uh, you know, there, there's the, this club of, of, as Davindra pointed out, emotionally sort of mature people that can handle complex situations and not turn them into sitcom-y, sitcom things, talk about them in adult ways and make kind of funny, good-natured jokes about them. I loved it. I, I just loved how mature the whole show felt, how decent everybody is. The, the, the arc of the first season is all about kind of coming to terms with just being good to each other. Let's all just be good to each other. Mm -hmm. And for me in 2020, like uh, one thing I want to throw in there, Jeff, like it is not just being good to each other because sometimes being good is not enough. It does kind of, it deals with that thing too, because I do feel like shows about relentlessly optimistic people can get annoying super quickly. Whereas this one was like, Oh no, mm." there was one instance where it doesn't quite work. And I right. think that's told really, really well yeah, it, and very realistically. Yeah, I agree with you. There are some hardships. There are some difficulties that characters work through, but they work in, through with the help of other people who are there for them. I mean, it is it is a show that seems to shed its cynicism very fast. And I just I needed that in 2020. I felt like, you know, and, and there are some things I want to talk about in spoilers, some specific moments that really moved me and to have this kind of goofy show that is based on a, a skit that didn't really land very well when it was just an ad to sort of find that voice and find that heart, I find to be a uh, pretty admirable and I think well worth anybody's time. Now Dave is going to tear it. I'm fully, one. fully ready. Well, for I mean, this. It's guys, amazing. I, I watched something this week that featured a bland white American dude traveling to another world unfamiliar to him and forced to adapt to some pretty rapidly changing circumstances while dealing with the loss of a loved one. Turns out that not only does he not flame out disastrously, as many people might easily predict, but maybe he can teach them a thing or two about how to live life to its fullest. But enough about the James Cameron film Avatar, guys. What? I'm gonna let the silence. I guess. I guess you guys. You guys didn't like that one. You guys didn't like. Fizzle. Fizzle goes to dynamite. Didn't like it. Wow. Man. man. Mm. Yeah. Tough crowd. Tough crowd tonight. Um. Okay. Uh. You're saying like Dave Chen's gonna hate it? No, that's actually not true. Gonna. I'm gonna buck convention, Jeff. I thought it was completely fine and pleasant. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay. Fine and pleasant. Okay. Yeah. No. Arousing endorsement. No. No real objections (laughs) until the last episode when something happens. That made me kind of hate the show, but the I can play? talk about that in the spoilers. But the Ted, the Ted Lasso special play—is that what you're going to talk about? No, 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 no. I'm oh. gonna—we're going to talk about it in spoilers. So, okay. but suffice to say, uh, you know, I thought it was fine. I, I had—I had a great time with this movie. I agree with a lot of the stuff you guys said. Um, didn't hate it until the last episode, and then, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, many times throughout the series, I was genuinely moved. I agree with you that the show is like very optimistic uh, and it is about human goodness. It's not only about human, like the, the virtues of human goodness and kindness, but also like the virtue of letting go 
of anger mm-hmm. and hate, you know? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a worthwhile message. So I have some more thoughts. It sounds like we all have some more thoughts and spoilers. Anything else we want to say before we get to that? Yep. I want to say one more thing yep. because this blew my mind when I found it out. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know that the woman who plays Rebecca, who I was think is the woman fantastic. who did the uh, the shame bell in Game of Thrones. Shame bell! Thanks for stealing <laughs> that from me, Dave. You were asking wow. the question. You were asking the wow. question. You were asking. You were asking it as a question. So no, I that was the question I was going to ask. You're, you're you kind of ruining right this of character mouth. for me, by the way, with this image because uh, man, okay. Mm. Yeah, she goes shame, shame, shame. That's Basically, what she's doing in the show too. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, Dave does a podcast about that show, so I expected him to know. Uh, I didn't expect him to just jump right in and steal the moment from me. But uh, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, this, this podcast going great. Okay, uh, let's <laughs> do you know get the guy from to... Buffy's in the show? Guys, <laughs> let's get Guys. Spo- spoilers for Ted Lasso starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. All right. Let's talk about spoilers for Ted Lasso. I I mean, I, I have some negative things to say. Should should I start and, and then we I, I, I wanna I wanna hear. Yeah. What's your thing in the last episode that spoiled that soured the whole experience? Well, guys. I mean, I I have this feeling that Ted Lasso is actually what's wrong with America. And what I mean by that is, I don't mean Ted Lasso the show. I mean Ted Lasso the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I I remember watching this episode of The Office Season 2. It was in, I don't remember exactly which episode was it, but it was in Season 2 where uh, Michael Scott, uh, and by the way, there's like a lot of Michael Scott energy in this show, I would argue. Oh, most um, definitely. He, he is uh, like if Michael Scott was actually good at his competent. job. Yeah. yeah, competent Michael Scott. Well, yeah. okay. Um, there's where I disagree with you because mm. uh, there's a there's an episode in season two, uh, I think it's season two or season one, one of the earlier seasons where Michael Scott goes to like corporate. He visits corporate of Dunder Mifflin and he spends all this time like, uh, goofing off and like doing all these weird impressions and like basically embarrassing everyone in front of David Wallace. And then David Wallace at one point is like, "Hey, can we like cut the crap? I need you. To, I need to see these sales numbers." And then Michael Scott's like, "Okay, fine. Here you go." And then I was listening to the commentary on that episode of The Office. This is like over a wow. decade ago, and the they they were saying like it was very important for them to show that even though Michael Scott is obviously a goofball. He was still very competent at his job, right? And you see, you actually see him throughout the course of the office. You know, when when he's still a consistent character, you yeah. see him uh, do his job very skillfully. You see him; he is a skilled salesperson. Um, and I always appreciated that dichotomy in that character. Was that like, sure, hey, sure. even though this guy is a moron and absolutely mortifying? He's got some skills. That's a, there's an explanation for her, how he got to where he got to. And the thing that just killed me about the final episode of Ted Lasso is okay, earlier on Ted Lasso doesn't know what anything to do like what any of the terms are and he doesn't seem to understand anything. And it's like okay, yeah, like that's that's fine. I understand. 
Like he's still learning. That it's completely understandable, and it is a ripe for comedy. So there's like many funny moments where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. laughing along. I'm laughing along with you. Show it's a delight that Ted Lasso is so moronic. But surely he's gonna actually learn his shit. Surely he's not gonna go the entire season just completely ignoring the rules. Uh-huh. You get to the final episode, and there's a there's a very funny line, and I have to admit, the line is very good. Where he says something like. The ref calls offsides, and then yeah, Ted Lasso says, yeah. "How are you going to call offsides?" No, no, really, I don't understand the rules. Please explain it to me. And I mean, well, that's, that's a great, particularly nobody knows how offsides work. That's that's really. particular. I mean, that's a particularly yeah. uh, obtuse uh, ruling, and that Americans in particular do not understand. Yeah. Uh, so I think I that, played I mean, soccer for years. I could not tell you how offsides actually works. I know it's something to do with defense going too forward, but come on. I think that also, I mean, it was like episode six or whatever, where he still didn't understand like what relegation was. So it's the show Mm -hmm. is trying to convey to you that he doesn't really know what he's doing. And I think that that offends me because it's like this. (laughs) That offends you more than Michael Scott? No, I think, Dave, I think you're looking at it wrong. I honestly, I mean, let me just let me just finish my point and then you can have the rest of the time to talk about it. Okay, so uh I'll just say that basically I think this whole attitude of like oh, we don't need expertise. Like, all we need is a can-do attitude, you know? It is what is wrong with this country right now, and Ted Lasso embodies it completely. It and didn't I didn't really, really realize well that. for Ted Lasso, does it? I didn't like, really realize that until the final episode. I rest my case. Okay, no, but the, go ahead. The, 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 a, you're, you're looking at it, I, th- I think, wrong. And B, uh, the show directly addresses it. So firstly, I, d- I don't think it's um, him having a can-do attitude at all. It is actually something that I have been on a soapbox about for a long time now, for almost four years now, um, maybe longer, that I I do think is wrong with America. And that is that everything that I teach my kid doesn't seem to apply to adults. Like the things that we teach our children, i.e., it doesn't matter how you play the game. It doesn't matter how you whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. Yep. Right? No, what, what we learn is it doesn't matter how you play the game. It's whether you win or lose. Right? That's America in a nutshell. Capitalism in a nutshell is it fuck everyone else as long as you win. Just win, baby, is is the American way. And what we all teach our kids is it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. And Ted Lasso, through the entire show, is saying to everybody, I don't care whether we win or lose. It's about how we play the game. It's about these people as people. He says it explicitly over and over. And then yeah. his his best friend, the coach, calls him out, has an explosive confrontation with him and says, no, you have to want to win. The, the show specifically addresses that. Like, it's not enough to just, be, we are professionals. We, it's not enough to just ha- be good to each other. We have to also try to win. And so I think you missed the point, frankly, about what the show is trying to say, which is like, this isn't an either or, right? You can be good, decent. You can believe in all of these things that Ted Lasso was trying to put forth. You can believe that that guy should still be, you know, that Roy should still be the, the captain. But the rules say, if you're second string, you're not the captain. Mm-hmm. So you know, let's, we're doing it. And, and I, th- the show is explicit about that. So I, I, I think it is completely wrongheaded to say it's like, 
oh, just this American stupidity where we'll we'll win the day. It's not about American sp- stupidity. It's him coming in and going, I'm not here to be the guy that knows the rules. That's my assistant coach's job. And that's assistant coach. He constantly asks about it throughout. And that assistant coach and he knows his shit. Yeah. He, he, he knows he's his the shit. chess master. Yeah. Yeah. And they get and they get the the other kid, the, you know, the the, the locker supply kid and elevate him to coach status because he also knows the X's and O's very, very well. But Ted Lasso's role is not to be that, right? His role is to sort of galvanize all of those people uh, around him. And and then at a certain point, the show goes, no, Ted, that's also not enough. You got to actually inspire people to win or we will not be a thing anymore. And I, I, I give the show a lot of credit for that, actually. Well, uh, I will just say I... I don't agree, but I appreciate that, you know, like sometimes, sometimes Jeff, during the course of the podcast, you change my mind about things, you know, and that's, that's happened a bunch of times, but I, I don't agree with you here. I think there's, there's valid, you make valid points, but I, I guess I'm, I'm soured on the idea that, um, uh, like Ted Lasso is positioned as kind of, I agree with you. Like that was a cool scene when he gets chided for like not wanting to win, but, I don't feel like Ted Lasso values excellence in in his field either, you know, which is which is just something I can't sign on with given the tone of the show. I will um, agree with you that it, it it really rubbed me the wrong way in the first episode where he's like at that press conference and just like it's like yeah, I don't believe for a second that anyone would that this is a real moment in any stretch of the imagination. It's one yeah, of the reasons yeah. the first episode Sit, sat with me so poorly I, I, I think, think my, the, the pilot is pretty great by the way like it, it is sort of a master class in introducing you to these characters and the situation everything um like I, i'll say that but it does get better like that's the thing and i think that's my, the key to this series i agree uh, my favorite moment in the entire show so far uh hopefully there's a second season i don't know if it's been announced yet or not but um my favorite moment in the entire show so far is the game of darts mm-hmm yeah, that was a great, great scene. Incredible. And I think that to me is like what's so magical about this show is that he straight up says it. He's like, he says the thing that I think is the thing you're pushing up against, Dave, which is like, you know, you, you know, in dealing with that, that other owner, that sort of, um, you know, the villain, the antagonist of the show. Freaking says, Giles? What? Yeah. He says, you know, you have to be, you have to be curious, right? You have to be, you have to ask questions like, do I know how to play darts? Right. I think it is directly speaking to that American mentality, that Dunning Kruger fucking shit that we're all living through where everyone seems to believe they know more about everything than they actually do. And it, and it's Ted Lasso going, no, the key isn't like, you're not mad at me because you know something about me you're mad at me because you're making assumptions and we can't like th- it's it's all about asking the questions and mm-hmm. to me that was so, what was so stirring and so moving about that scene and so fucking rad like it was this <laughs> amazing moment of just yeah just a great know, smackdown yeah yeah putting the dude completely in his place but i loved that speech too because it was it was everything it was what i feel like we're going through in this country and around the world right now, which is this feeling of, you know, Dunning-Kruger know-it-all-ness where, I, you know, I know more than the scientists, I know more than the, you know, experts, fuck everybody except me. 
that kind of thing, and, and yeah. I, I, which I find so distasteful. I think it was like the the openness of Ted Lasso is the thing that really I appreciate it too, because he is out there trying to elevate everybody around him and listening and taking in feedback. Like he's he's coming into this not knowing much about soccer, but he is there out there engaging and listening to the guy who's just cleaning up, you know, the locker room and yeah. actually doing something with the feedback he's getting. He's somebody who listens as much as he, you know, is always talking and kind of annoyingly so, but he is a good listener. And I think there's an empathetic, you know, strain to him and his attitude that I think is really great. It's definitely not just about a can do attitude, but I think there is something to be said, like you, you're going to have a hard trouble winning if you don't believe in yourself in a way. And his magic is sort of finding, you know, talking to people and trying to find that kernel and being curious and trying to figure out like what makes them tick and what makes them interesting. And, you know, I've had that um, experience too. Well, like when I've managed people, like to me, this is a great show about the idea of managing in the leading. And I've managed, you know, people for jobs and for work and stuff. And you, even for some reporting things. And it is, it is a great, it's a great feeling. And especially like if you, if you kind of like jive with everybody else, like if you are very good at empathizing with your workers and, you know, knowing how to corral the team, that's how you make the team stronger. It's not always knowing all the plays or knowing all the rules, but really knowing how to make your entire crew work the best they can. That's what makes a good coach. And I think this show just gets to that because you can find a lot of people who know all the rules. That's not going to be too hard. I'm sure he'll get there eventually, but this skill that he has here is something special. And I think that's what makes it so entertaining and seemingly so rare today. Uh, well, I, I still don't agree with you guys, but I'm going to point out a couple things I liked about the show. Um, one of the things, actually, I think the, uh, my, my favorite subplot of the movie, honestly, is, is mm -hmm. Rebecca's subplot. You know, I think that yeah. character goes yeah. through it's a great. whole journey and like, subverts uh, expectations about that too, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When she finally comes around at the end, it just is really, uh, very powerful. So, and this is a show where I feel like um, Bill Lawrence, one of the executive producers, like obviously a person who's made a lot of TV before, lot of sub, lot of subplots, a lot of, a lot, um, mm -hmm. lot of you know side characters. But I felt like, hey, the, the the storytelling always felt under control to me. Like it always felt like, hey, this person, whoever's making the show, like has plans for all these people, and they they're gonna like each have their own little moments. And I felt like that was the case. I also thought the Jamie Tart storyline was pretty interesting, pretty bold to get to like an emotional breakthrough with that character yeah, and then yeah. completely remove the character from the show for like three or four episodes. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty bold. Yeah. Pretty bold. I, I, I admired that. I admired that. So anyway, there's a bunch of things I did like about the show. Um, so don't get me wrong. Um, it, it's it's not a show I hated or anything like that, yeah. but, um, but your, I was quite your disappointed. Word, your word, yeah. fine, Dave, is what is what is really <laughs> getting to me here. Because what do you what do you think is more then fine, because I think it's really it's really rare to find great sitcoms these days. Like I go back to the old stuff. I watch Frasier a shit ton. I watch a lot of, you know, Simpsons, which is still very sitcom-y. Like I, I like the classics, but the new stuff, it is really hard to find genuinely good new sitcoms, I think. Uh, to me, this just feels fresh and special. Yeah, I mean, can we agree that Ted Lasso is a strong personality? Sure. We agree that well, that's yeah. his thing. And that's that his might, thing. And, that, and yeah. that maybe he's just not for everyone. He's just maybe just not for everyone. I, I've um, said multiple times, I would hate this person in real life. <laughs> yes. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's more like just kind of the character. And by the way, according to Bill Lawrence, the show has already been renewed for through season three. By the Hell way. yeah. So, All right. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Can we but, get it immediately, please? Uh, but I, I uh, you know, I, I will say that um, watching the show, I, I, che- I appreciated the opportunity to watch the show because not because I enjoyed the show that much, but because it gave me an opportunity to it, learn about again, you guys. Again, David Chad. <laughs> It, it, because it gave me the opportunity to learn about you guys and like what you're valuing in life right now. And, um, and I was grateful for that. So yeah, anyway, maybe you realize why last week when you suggested we watch, you know, <laughs> exploding face death camps or whatever it was that you were <laughs> suggesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm glad you guys really enjoyed the show and I agree. It's like a pretty well put together sitcom. Um, and just like, well made all around overall so any other thoughts as we wrap up uh if not i think we can bring us to the end here we we didn't say much about like his his own troubles and everything i just want to say i think this show handled him dealing with you know the dissolution of his marriage pretty well because that is sort of like the specter at the beginning of the show it's like oh you're you're going to london to do this and your family is over there and isn't that kind of a problem and I think it sets up like the idea that, oh, yeah, they're they're a little disconnected and the whole his whole breakdown thing, I think, is really well done because it's sort of like um, this is another emotional maturity thing. Like no matter how much you're the guy that everybody thinks can, um, you know, can fix things. He He's good at trying to fix people and trying to innervate people and trying to, like, make them better and everything. And there's some things you just can't fix. And for him, yeah. like it's this one thing, and it is, it is absolutely brutal. And I think mm-hmm. really well played, and how he deals with it is really interesting too. Like the one night stand, I'm I'm glad they didn't play that up for drama just yet. Although probably in season two they will if they like I don't know play up the Rebecca romance or whatever. But the aftermath of the one night stand is also just everybody being like, dude, what it, did you do anything wrong? You're two adults who made each other happy and you didn't break any rules. Like, I, I don't see the problem here. And it's sort of them also calling bullshit on his own, like, you know, judgment of himself and probably something he does to other people, too. Like, it is there's good calling out of bullshit in the show, even for the guy, you know, who is the title of the show. I think the show does a good job of, like, keeping everybody in check. So I really appreciate all of that. Also, the one the one shouting the one shouting scene he gets where he's just shouting um who, who was the like cocky kid was it colin but he was shouting like when co- that kid was just really acting up and he does the coach thing he does the coach mm-hmm. taylor thing of just like really hammering in like what what does it mean to be a team what are you contributing here or what are you you know, how are you hurting the team and it's really all about practice and the value of practice and they, maybe the show goes a little overboard there because there's like a canted handle angle where it's never used that before. And it seems like they're really pushing it up. But I thought it was uh, that his like Sudeikis there is fantastic. Like, I feel like so many bits of the show could be Emmy stuff for him. He is just so good in it. I, re- I really agree. And there's some goofy jokes that he pulls off with such yeah. charm that it, it it's endearing. It's I think he's I think he's really excellent in it. All right. Well, I think uh, that's going to wrap us up then for tonight. Um, glad you guys liked it. Glad we had the opportunity to watch something happy. 
Um, every once in a while, it happens. The next on the week, show. get ready for um, Murderator, the Red Vengeoning, like something. <laughs> <laughs> cannibal, you know, Cannibal there, Holocaust. We're gonna revisit there, Cannibal there, Holocaust. There is a movie called, um, I think, is it Avengement that I was yes. thinking of watching? Yes. yes, I've heard it's great. Yeah. Uh, it's called Avengement, uh, uh-huh. and it's is it start. It was directed by Jesse V. Johnson, uh, and a star is Scott Adkins. I'm kind of like want to check Cannibal that Holocaust. Out. Here we come. That's the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast@gmail.com. Our spoiler burper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com, and our uh, weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Beatty Sang. Next Tell week, the folks on the- about that Patreon again, Dave. Yeah, okay. So I was going to mention that. So, uh-huh. uh, how many? What do you think we're up to, Jeff? In in this six. episode, I'm going to be re- real. I'm going to be real optimistic and say yeah. six. Six patrons, right? Uh-huh. Just just during this recording, you're saying six yeah. That's patrons. pretty impressive if it was true. Twenty nine uh-huh. patrons, Jeff. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> 29 patrons, baby. It's not bad. Not bad for an episode that was 30 minutes of silence. Pretty good. Pretty <laughs> okay, good. so people, people don't know. People listening to the final product don't know. You mean that. we're not leaving that in? No, we're not leaving that in. But basically, earlier on, Jeff's audio, Jeff dropped out. Jeff's computer freaked out. He dropped out of the call. We had to delete 20 minutes of silence. Yeah, it was, it was harrowing. My, my computer borked itself in a real and significant way. Yeah. It was harrowing. But we're, we're glad to have you back. Uh, if Beatty did her job correctly, which I'm sure she did, you didn't even notice. So uh, next week, we are going to be reviewing The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is going to be available on Netflix. Aaron Sorkin's new courtroom drama. All right. I'm psyched to talk about it with you guys. That's going to do it for us this week on the Slash Filmcast. We'll see you later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad. It's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing worth talking about. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.